Greetings, greetings, greetings. As I said a moment ago when I was muted, hope everyone is doing good. And the talk title is How Belief, How Belief Works. I'm going to talk about that a couple of different directions. One is just, uh, well, you've heard me say, probably don't believe it, don't disbelieve it, don't ignore it. Not an easy uh, dynamic to just accomplish and just do and never be at the mercy of those kinds of disturbances again. So the, the situational belief and just kind of temporary comings and goings of belief work quite well. Kind of need to know, have a little bit of belief that something, something makes a noise and you hear something down through the woods as happened hundreds of years ago, probably. You probably had to go into some kind of a belief about, I believe that's a, a polar bear. So a little bit of that is happening in order to protect us. So we need to have a little bit of extended uh, interest in terms of believing that something's happening or something else is not happening or believing that we have enough food to last us and all of those things. What happens is out of the self-centeredness, the polarity of me and you guys or me and the rest of the world, me and what I want, me and what I can't quite get to, me and what people keep taking away from me or I keep losing. <laughs> Excuse me, and then we come up with some kind of a belief about how we can work with that, and or what's what is true, what's untrue. And the upside of belief is kind of obvious. If you believe something, then we can operate out of that until we see. Oh, well, we don't have to believe it. It's just it's just the case. It's just a what do we call that? A fact. <clears throat> but we tend to, out of fear. Quite often, out of fear, we tend to find something that we can believe in, and we can. So, uh, and that relieves us of doing any any kind of investigation in that area because well, we believe it, so we don't have to look at that anymore. And then we can actually address what we believe, and it gives us a what temporary feeling of security. We believe in this. Sometimes people will ask me, probably ask some of you, "Well, you're a Buddhist. What do Buddhists believe?" And I say quite often, and not trying to be, well, maybe a little bit silly, is I say not much. And that's because not that some Buddhist uh, organizations or religious uh, orders and so on don't have kinds of beliefs or things that they look at that they feel are true and other things are untrue. But uh, I don't know if you can actually go back and find out where the Buddha particularly believed things and, or preached some kind of belief in something. And as the story goes, perhaps you've heard when he was asked, who created all this? Does somebody, is there a, a deity? Does someone, is there a creator? Uh, as the story I heard, you might've heard another one, uh, is that he remained silent. Quite often he remained silent when he knew that, my speculation, I have no idea, but probably that would be the best position to take on it. Like not much of a position. So when I say don't believe, don't disbelieve, don't look away, I'm saying insofar as you can, don't take a position on anything unless you unless you have to. You might situationally, you might have to show up as some kind of a, a situation where you're believing in something. But less seems to be better. And that way, whatever is roiling around in the background three days from now or in the other room or in your backyard or in your family situation or in your health situation, the more you can just keep, uh, shall we call it this, an just an open dimension, uh, 
I'm not going to clamp down on it. I'm not going to get rid of it. And I'm not going to ignore it. I'm just going to what? Observe that just like the instruction, the way I teach it is to train your mind to see clearly, sit down, look at something where not, not much is happening called a wall and watch what moves in the mind stream. And this way you kind of get to know how your mind is working personally rather than somebody else's idea, your culture's idea, your family's idea, your mom, your dad, uh, your partner's idea about who you are. Don't get your identity from somebody else. You might want to just look at the fundamental nature of identity itself. Is there, is there a, an identity? And if so, how is it substantiated? How is it supported? How is it perpetuated? How does that work? Look closely. So belief or thinking that someone is true, something is true without really being sure about it, or else being not really being sure about it, but feeling like you've got to, I have to believe in that. I don't know about the rest of you, but I remember when I was very young, holding up a Bible and looking at it, thinking, what does this mean? <laughs> what is this? My grandmother was happy to tell me that's the word of God. And we're going to disagree with my grandmother. I do remember asking her one time, because I was real curious about people wanting to go to heaven. I thought, I remember asking her, I might have told some of you this story before. So I was trying to get some kind of idea of what heaven might be like. And I understood uh, from her that you could kind of have anything you wanted there. And I said, can you have all the sugar you want? I was like seven or six. So yes, I remember asking her that, but also knowing myself at the time, I didn't, I didn't care about sweet stuff at all when I was young. I do now. So in case you want to send me a banana cream pie, I'd be happy to receive that. <laughs> chuckling, chuckling over there. So, um, so I was trying to get some kind of idea. What is? What is this true? What What is this about? And I, I had quite a bit of a, for a, a small person. Although a lot of very very young people, you'll notice when they ask you questions, they're coming out of a kind of maturity that is natural, that is not locked up by some kind of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, belief and disbelief. They really want to know what this is. But the culture, sometimes the parents shut people down, starting with, when I say people, I mean, in case you didn't know, seven-year-olds are people. And quite often, they're not really respected. They are taught to believe things because it's just easier. If they believe something, then the problem solved. <clears throat> sometimes even in a conversation, we'll be talking back and forth about something that's a little vague. And somebody says, well, do you believe that? And then you might say, I don't really believe that. Or, yeah, well, yeah, I think that's probably, you know, the speculation, speculation is going on. You don't need to do that. You can actually just not have any idea what's happening, even though there are people around you that would want to encourage you to join in to be part of their crew. All of that being said, if something starts to arise in your mind stream, uh, the other part of the way I want to talk about this is, is we, we don't want to believe that if it's something really difficult or something challenging, like a, 
uh, like some kind of intense anxiety that comes up for some of us with no no apparent source for it. And uh, and what do I say? Don't di don't believe, don't disbelieve, but for heaven's sake, don't look away from it. Don't and don't distract yourself from it if you can help it by going into something else or speculation. Don't do speculation. You could actually receive that. You're a you're a human being. You could actually receive whatever shows up in your mind stream and in your life stream without objecting, agreeing, or shutting down. Those are the three ways that we, they're called the three poisons. That's the way we, we condition ourselves to, to believe there's somebody who's getting ahead, somebody who's going to fail or get behind. And same thing with something else, some other person. It's interesting when you when you do that belief situation over and over, you kind of condition yourself to just stop looking in that direction. So what happens eventually is you think you are somebody. And I'm not saying there isn't something happening there, but it is not a separate being. Look closely. And if you look closely, you won't necessarily conclude that you're uh, uh, not a separate being. Any kind of conclusion is a misunderstanding of what this actually is. And as you heard me say before, don't believe a word I say. And I'm not saying that just a joke. I'm saying you find out it may be the path of meditation, it may be Buddhism, it may be Islam, it may be nothing at all. You may have to, may have to go and study under uh, uh, someone in, in India study some or not maybe not at all maybe just uh, disregard that and just work on your life as a as a mundane path of just getting ahead and accomplishing getting your degree and and being an archaeologist and going on digs and digging in the dirt all the time not bad therapy anybody digging the dirt here yeah i see one dirt digger over there a good friend of mine that i was in the fourth grade i met him in the fourth grade he taught me how to smoke cigarettes how to, how to dip, dip peanut butter sandwiches in coffee cream with a lot of sugar. His name was Larry. He's not watching. He has had no interest in this at all. It, I don't even know if he knows I do this. And uh, But I just uh, he just called me recently to scold me because he figured I was one of those closed-minded people who wouldn't get a vaccination. I said, no, I'm getting one. He said, I just want to make sure you were going to get one because there's so many people that are just aren't going to do that. So. Anyway, I won't go on too much about Larry other than to say, uh, what else can I say about Larry? Oh, dirt digger. That's where it came from. <laughs> Larry uh, was quite a kind of a, was kind of some kind of a psycho, psycho yeah, psychotic. No, not psychotic. <laughs> he was some kind of a, uh, he had a, a lot of, really a lot of insight into a lot of stuff. Uh, he actually read uh, when I recommended it to him in 1970 four, maybe, or five, he saw that I was studying Buddhism and meditation. He said, what are you doing that for? I said, that's interesting to me. He said, why? And I said, it's it's interesting. I said, you want to read this? And no, I don't want to read that. I said, I'll tell you what, read this, and then uh, I want to ask you questions about it. Oh, that, he did a he, the challenge he liked, I said, <laughs> I'll do that. And it, it was amazing to actually ask him about the three marks of, uh, or no, the the three lords of materialism and see that he was he had read that and understood what was said and was able to tell me what that was it was quite astonishing so 
I have no idea what that's about, but that's not an easy set of concepts to just read and be able to answer questions about. And he also has a couple of other areas that we've touched on, the nature of ego and all that. So what I was getting to and what triggered the whole digging in the dirt idea is Larry said, being philosophical on occasion, he said, everything's a dirt digger. I said, what? He said, everything, there isn't anything that is a dirt digger. This is his way of saying, uh, I don't know, we're all one or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but, but it's just kind of a homely approach to it that, uh, and I think he's two weeks older than I am, so he's going to turn 80 here pretty quick too. And and actually, I can't remember, I can't, don't have memorized what he said, but he was able to actually, anything you mentioned, he would tell you the way in which that was digging dirt in some way. It was doing something with relative stuff. I, I can't remember any of them, but it, uh, um, yeah, he had me buffaloed. Still does. So what do I do when I talk to Larry? I listen. Listen. He, he, he never, he has no idea who I am or what I'm doing uh, other than his projections onto me, which are quite intense. You met Larry. Yeah. Oh, yes. <laughs> met Larry. What was the name of the book? Huh? What was the name of the book he read you told me about? Cutting Through Spiritual Materialism. No. It was pretty astonishing. I'm not saying he uh, had the whole book memorized. It wasn't, but it was interesting that he could answer questions about it and didn't have any questions. Yeah, I understand that. It's interesting. That's all I would say about it. So belief, if you can somehow see, the way you do this is not to stop believing, not to stop disbelieving and not to ignore, but rather through the sitting practice of meditation through what we're all endeavoring to do, sit down and hold still, train the mind so that you can see the way in which you shut down, the way in which you uh, believe or assume, have certain assumptions about things. And it can be, uh, they can be assumptions that you don't know about, but you're operating out of them, but you don't know you have them. You don't, if you actually have prejudice, you're not going to know about that because the very nature of prejudice, prejudice is to ignore or not to know. So if you begin to see that you are, have ideas about something that may not be exactly what is happening, then it isn't a full blown prejudice that a lot of society is dealing with when it's coming, when it comes to whatever black and brown people, for one, the obvious one, or it can go the other direction on the uh, old white people, old white men. <laughs> yeah, I'm one of those. So, so it is about seeing the grasping, the belief, or the rejecting, the disbelief, or the closing off, the very literal shutting down, or possibly the other one that is more difficult to see is the just distracting yourself into something else. And that distraction into something else can be Prozac. I mean, it can be a highly stylized prescription to get you to stop looking at the very stuff that if I'm talking to you, I'm gonna, I might say, I'm, I won't always say, I'm not gonna step in the, into the medical profession, but I might say you might wanna just consider not doing anything about it other than watching what it does, what it, how it moves. What is it? What fundamentally is it? There isn't anything, and this isn't condemning you to anything, but there isn't anything that isn't arising in your mind stream, in your life stream, in the world 
I don't care how horrible that isn't dependently arisen. So to begin to go in and try to dismantle, use some kind of uh, manipulative situation to fix something and make it work right is just buying into the whole charade. It's just by, you know, you're, you're, all you're doing is moving from the tilde whirl uh, over to the haunted house and from the haunted house uh, over to the merry-go-round or the, the even more difficult circular thing is the Ferris wheel. I mean, you know what it's like to be at the top of the Ferris wheel. I don't see any expressions of, ex of recognition. Neither though it goes around. Yeah, okay. So it's about awareness. It's about really vividly seeing what is occurring with no interference. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't shut down. Don't look away. And that can take a long time to train the mind so that it is not continually being sucked into some kind of vortex of desire or some vortex of fear. And how is that done? You have to witness being sucked into it. You have to actually see what happens with no agenda. It's, it's like, it's almost like, it's exactly like, no, it's almost like, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, you know, give a damn what happens, but not exactly. It's kind of like your curiosity, your, your interest in what is happening has somehow gone beyond the boundaries of, will this hurt me? Or is this good? Is this bad? Should I be doing this? Who should I check with? Maybe I should ask somebody. It might be really good to have a transcendental kind of curiosity where you want to know what this is. And you're not going to settle for my response or my explanation or anybody's. As it says in the Zen tradition, don't put the Buddha on top of your own head. You're not separate from the Buddha. But you might need a teaching person to point that out to you. And uh, the Sangha to make damn sure you don't forget it. And a teaching to give you something to do in your spare time. We have a lot of spare time, so we study a lot. I can continue to talk about this, uh, or I can respond to questions. Sometimes questions are helpful. Do you have any? When you're bombing. So we've been watching the impeachment trial, and it seems like there's intense belief going on there in order to make a case. No. So how do we observe, not get caught up in? Just, just see that you get caught up. Pardon me for interrupting you, but that shows up immediately. Just you, We just watched today for a while. It's, it's very, very difficult. It's heartbreaking to see people so caught up in their, their, this contagious area of wanting to have control, of wanting to be right, wanting to what? Get reelected, however you want to say it, uh, and it can't be. You can't just go in and fix it or correct it. It just doesn't work that way. And when I say it doesn't work that way, it might. I'm not particularly correct, but less is better. This doesn't mean you shouldn't do whatever vote or maybe you should march on Washington. I I don't think so, but I don't know what kind of karma you're dealing with. More. 
when you're buying, especially when there's a lot of emotion involved. Yeah. It just seems um, really difficult to not yeah. see what's being believed. Yeah. So is there some way to intercept that belief? I don't know if I would call it intercept, but just the, the situation is we just need to see what's coming and going without any kind of uh, post-it notes or addendum on that and have a willingness to not really know what that is, even though the, everyone around you is screaming at you what that is, plus or minus, up or down, back or forth, correct or incorrect, excuse me, legal, ir illegal, and uh, just all of the other uh, things that attorneys do. I'm not against that. I'm not against any of that. I'm not against the Constitution or any of that. I'm just saying that as an awareness practice, as much as you can, observe what's happening without particularly jumping on, on into some a dynamic. That's very difficult to do because sometimes the uh, the people that you know really well think they think that. I'm sure you've noticed, especially in these days. When you find that your own children have political views that are strange, and yet you know they're intelligent. I mean, they're your children. So, but you cannot see, and I'm, I'm not condemning you to anything. You know, I'm trying to define what your awareness, your intelligence, your insight can do. But seeing the source of dependent origination uh, is part, not as not not as as possible as we think it is. It, the source of that is extremely stretched out and diverse. The, one of the ways is a metaphor that I use sometimes, I think it's in, uh, was it tributary streams flow through the darkness? Which one is that? One of you people with a good memory as it's young? Huh? Is that Sandokai? If I get three people shaking their head, yeah, I'll put it. Oh, I'm believing you. Notice? <laughs> See, now I don't know that, but here I am, what? Situationally believing you, but I'm going to go look it up as soon as I get out of here. <laughs> See if you lied. So tributary streams flow through the darkness. So that means that whatever is showing up as, as this apparent situation, the source of that is fundamentally hidden because it's so complicated, because you don't know where the tree went, this piece of... Uh, wood came out of. You don't know where the the person who made it is not here. Uh, the person who is holding this up um, has to have hands. Where did these hands come from? My mother and my biological father are long gone, but this is here. Uh, it might sound a little silly to you, but you might want to look really closely at causes and conditions, all of them. And when you start to look at all of them, you see that you can't see all of them. You can't find the first cause of anything. But the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the controlling mind, the mind that wants control, the mind that wants something bigger, something better, the mind that doesn't want to lose, that mind will settle for what? Praise and blame. Well, who, who was right? Well, that guy was right. Okay. Well, who was wrong? Well, he's, she's, they're the one. They did it. They're the, they're the, and sometimes if we can't find that, then we'll just attribute something because we can't stand to not know. So we'll just must be black people. I mean, those those areas are extremely difficult to trace. And so I say, 
as much as you can. You've heard me say this over and over again. Just receive. Just receive whatever's showing up in your world. And if it's a little bit threatening, you're probably going to be okay. I'm not saying you're going to feel okay. I didn't say that. You might never feel okay if you listen to what the Buddha said. Life is suffering. And it's caused as wanting something else. And the goal is cessation. It doesn't mean this, this, the suffering is going to go away. But he thought that's what he meant. Yeah. He was, uh, what was he doing? He was seducing you into the path. Go ahead. Shogobang, what is the difference between a situational belief and a belief that you're helping us to see more clearly? Do you believe that I'm helping you to see more clearly? I don't need that much credit. Be more clear about what you're Shoko. saying. If I'm helping you to see more clearly, you should be able to express your question more clearly. Shokobang, what's the difference between a situational belief and a belief of ignorance based on ignorance? The belief might be a, uh, perpetuated or, or um, pulled forward because it can cover up fear of the unknown. You can you can go into that yourself and probably write a paper on it. You believe something is true, and the situation. If I use you your situation without going into your personal history, you tend to see more deeply into certain levels of consciousness than most people. It's not a compliment, just a description. And sometimes what you see there, you have a reaction to. Have you noticed? It's called a belief, but you don't have to believe it or disbelieve it. Um, just like. Uh, if you uh, have uh, anything that shows up in the mind stream, you don't have to accept it, reject it, or turn away from it. And then because of dependent origination, this is very important, because of dependent origination, because you've got your fat butt out of the way, so to speak, by not being so sure of yourself about right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, the very dependent origination that arises there is situational. It's called situational anything. Situational, it's called environmental generosity, according to the Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. It's environmental, it doesn't belong to anyone. Wisdom doesn't belong to anyone. You can't become wise, but you can stop avoiding it by thinking that there's someone who needs to be someone else. Just be genuine in the way that you to address your question. I would say the situational, situational event comes about just because it's situation is a very simple dependent origination that is pretty obvious. This happens, that happens, and this is true, that's true. The door closed, someone went out. They're, I, I believe they're probably going to the store because I know this is about the time that somebody needs to go. Little, little things like that that we, that we buy into to, as being that's probably happening, probability, uh, but the kind that we use to cover up um, is because we don't know we're doing it because it actually looks like what the truth it just looks like the truth and and that's when i say don't believe your thoughts don't believe your feelings and don't ignore them because the feelings or the thoughts uh which are also conditioned will arise out of what we call the the eighth consciousness come through the seventh consciousness of the paranoid area of the mind and be uh, reshaped and whittled down and be fed into the sixth consciousness. And it'll just seem like the truth. You follow me? Shokobang, how, how can we see that belief if it's ignoring? It just, it just takes time. It just, just persists. 
return to the cushion, sit down, hold still, watch up moves and do it over and over as you've been doing. You just come out of a 30 day solitary retreat. How was that? Can I go back in? <laughs> no, <laughs> you need to stay out here and function with the forms and be around this irritating song. So, no dog. Yes, go ahead. You mentioned those pesky attorneys. I'm wondering when we're in a position where we are demanded by law or by circumstance to have beliefs. How do we re how do we receive while producing? Sanho Bowen. I, I, I actually, Sanho, I know you're studying to be an attorney, and I, I have no, I know you, I don't, don't read your mind, but I know you well enough that you're not going to have a problem with that. You, you have a natural, and again, it's not a compliment, but you have a natural sense of, of the things being appropriate or not so appropriate. So I wouldn't say that I go so far to say I trust you. I don't trust anything. But I would say that you, you're going to be fine. Just continue to Train your mind, spend time on the cushion, sit down, hold still, watch what moves. And so, and, and it's not that you don't need to, uh, whatever, swear an oath or, or pass the bar as you're going to do at some point. And, uh, but it's, it's about keep, a, um, keep a, um, just a tacit understanding with that, that you're going to have to buy into some things because that you're in a cultural context. But you don't have to go all the way in where you stop investigating that. The investigation can still happen at the same time you're observing a form. It's just like coming to the altar and, uh, uh, and, and bowing to the altar, offering incense. Those forms never stay the same. But we endeavor to use that form over and over and over again so that we can train our mind to see more clearly what is moving and see that what is moving uh, if, uh, how we need to interact with whatever the situation that is uh, situationally. Uh, sometimes it's called just dancing with things. We just, this happens, that happens. Some things we, we align ourselves with it. Some things we resonate with, but it's not about thinking about. This doesn't mean that being an attorney and having to deal with passing the bar or something like that, that that couldn't involve a lot of conceptual uh, structuring or fabrication or, analysis and so on. But belief and disbelief, uh, you can actually do that without locking down on things. Especially if, you, if you're if you training your mind, then there's a lot more. The, the thing with uh, mind training is what happens to the individual is uh, what you thought space was, the space around your thoughts, around your emotions, uh, in your dreams, the space uh, is not what, not what you, what you thought it was is not what it is. Because what it is is not separate from the very things that are rising in the space. This is why it's so mind blowing. Um, but you know, once the mind is blown, then no problem. Other questions? Sent you. Go ahead. Um, when we react to something, does that always imply belief? Uh, when we something does it always imply belief is what Sensu is asking and I would say not necessarily the, the reaction of the causes and conditions that arise for anybody for me for you for for your for your son or for, for anybody is there is dependently risen it has nothing to do with about a, a with a solid being somewhere that's actually reacting You're reacting is reacting and the, the the witnessing quality of the mind 
for some time may be aligned with some kind of identity, and it will be probably for years. But eventually, through the sitting practice of meditation, eventually that kind of wears out. Even Trungpa Rinpoche said, you wear out e uh, ego by walking on it like an old shoe. You just don't get it rehealed or sold. So just, just observe. And just and actually, you can actually look at it as uh, substantiality or its longevity, and see if it's uh, uh, see if it's got a vampire quality to it somewhere, where it's trying to get, it's trying to suck the blood out of something else. Sorry for the disturbing image, but that's what showed up. So, uh, she is unbowing. There, there's a question in the chat box from Ivan. He asks, how can we distinguish between belief and knowledge, bowing? So there's, there's a similarity there, uh, but the, the knowledge is a, uh, and, you know, there's lots of levels, lots of areas, and we could talk about the, the knowledge of how to, how to uh, fix, uh, repair a, um, a bicycle, or you know, there's a kind of knowledge, a structural kind of uh, situation that's happening there. Uh, so it's, it, it just has a strong structure to it, concept. Um, memory sometimes masquerades as, uh, as knowledge. Just because somebody can remember everything doesn't mean they know anything about what they just remembered. Sometimes if you, especially in, in our situation, somebody who's able to remember the structures of uh, the Buddha Dharma in its uh, more complicated forms, different schools of Buddhism, um, some people are extremely, uh, show up as extremely shiny and brilliant. And uh, that might look like knowledge. It might look like wisdom. It would depend on the imputation coming from you, from you not uh, looking at that or reading that or talking to someone who, who seems to know a lot about that. Uh, the belief part of it, to separate it a little bit from the, the knowing, having an object that you know about, uh, over into the belief. The belief is something you think is true with, that you don't really know what it is. But you might come out of that belief and fabricate a bunch of things that will reinforce the belief. One of the things that is done in religious practice are, are, are forms. Buddhism is not the only one, maybe, but one of the few um, forms where the actual form you're practicing is empty of your ideas about it. So most uh, spiritual religious practices that are especially theistic, uh, they want you to actually believe what you're doing. And that has its use. When I say it has its use, if you're, if you're practicing uh, creation completion practice of, uh, of say white Tara, which is something some, some of us do here, fairly straightforward, s simple insofar as any of those are simple, uh, you actually believe or you, you tell yourself to believe that you are sending energy or white Tara sending energy out to all beings and healing all of them. And you imagine that happening. Uh, so you might want to look at that. If you, if you're doing that, is that belief or is it, if you know that you're deliberately believing it or you're imagining it, uh, it's not exactly believing. It's more about uh, generating something, but the generation should come out of uh, space and not out of ideas about it. This is why we use a, an image like this is white tar up here. That's why we use a, a deity because finding our own wisdom mind is difficult. We might need some kind of an image. 
Go ahead, Junchu. Junchu bowing. How can we tell the difference between something that's true and something we're believing? I think it's so situational and it's so it's so different with each person, the way each person is handling their own uh, mind stream, the difficulty that arises if you're doing anything with the mind stream other than just witnessing it or observing it or feeling it is the other way of saying it. just feel what's happening and you're abandoning that for what caused it, even if it's correct, even if somebody did walk in the room and, and say something to you and caused you to have emotions, they're still your, your emotions. No one poured any feelings into you. So this doesn't mean that if somebody comes up and hits you, that that suffering you're feeling wasn't caused by them. Of course it was, but it's still your nerve endings. That being said, doesn't mean that that person didn't cause that or the interdependence between situations or uh, show up all kinds of different ways. So as far as believing or disbelieving, or if something is true or not true, that whole area is just extremely complicated. It looks simple, but it's not simple. And so therefore, less is better. Don't 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 believe anything unless you're unless you're forced to. In some way, some causes and conditions just force you to to you hear something in the other room and it's making a certain sound and you, you don't know what it is, but you believe it's a hippopotamus because you have a recording of a hippopotamus. You've listened to it. You've studied the hippopotami, and you hear it. I'm being silly, but I'm just saying. You know, we're looking for any evidence we and we'll settle. And I would say, don't settle. Don't settle for evidence just because you're having negative feelings and it seems to be triggered by that person or this situation or that. We talked about this earlier. So don't it's it's don't go to true or false. Don't go to any position on it. Have a willingness to to not have a reference point on it. There's a very nature and it's not it's not exactly that, but it's the very nature of wisdom. There's no reference. Go ahead. It feels like um, not doing anything with it leaves me open to being vulnerable or getting hurt. Well, <laughs> you're wearing a rock suit. You received Jukai. So you've received the vow to be with all things, to save all beings. You might as well start with your own emotions. Train your mind. Train your mind. I'm not saying ignore your feelings, and I'm not saying validate the feelings by finding out what caused it or do anything. Just feel, feel. Not comfortable, and it's, it's a practice. So you have to do a lot of it, and that's why we have that's why we have a monastery. That's why, with help of everybody here, we've created this because it looks like this is necessary for some people. Maybe not thousands or but. It, a dozen or so to come and really dedicate your life to this because you, you can't, you can't uh, meditation. I'm not saying you can't have it as a hobby or something that you meditate once in a while. Go ahead. But in order to go deeply into what this world is before your body, mind complex passes out of it and back into the elements death comes without warning uh, might be a good idea to find out who you are uh, because who you are can't die. Don't believe anything I say. You could consider it. You might consider it by saying, what can that, how can he possibly know that? I don't know it. It's not knowledge in the conventional sense. It isn't something that I, I used to not know and now I know. Not that, yes. 
Shokobang, what is the feeling of being hurt or harmed by another person? Uh, misunderstanding. And it's a terrible misunderstanding because it, this is where the Peloponnesian Wars came from. Somebody did something and I'm going to get back at them. This is where the very dynamics that you sometimes have to deal with in your mind was feeling intensely put upon by some other situation. One of them is concerned that somebody's going to control you. I don't know if you're still dealing with that or not. Maybe, maybe not. And you don't have to not deal with it anymore. It's not what is arising in the mind stream. Is, is there someone there? Is there, is there a witness? Is there, is there someone who's endangered? I'm not saying you don't have nerve endings and things don't feel really good and other times really feel bad, of course, because we're, this is a human organism with nerve endings, lots of them. Shokobang, so in a situation of feeling like we've been put upon, is there a way to I'm listening. not just congeal into the what's arising? It's a good question. I, I think it's a matter if you're a meditator, which you are, uh, someone who has a strong uh, practice, it's just a matter of don't shut down on it, don't push it away. Don't add any agenda onto it. Don't necessarily look for any possibility of that going away. Uh, don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. It's a simple way of saying it. And, and how do we do that? Damn, it's just hard to do that. It's, it's, excuse me. It's difficult to just see that and just do that. But what you can do is you can watch the way you can't quite manipulate or control that and that at some point in that area of what happens eventually and it happens even without even trying it just happens something out of the way consciousness or awareness works when this when the struggle is starts to leak away is you because because it's not separate there's not two that that which is looking at the stuff begins to look and see there isn't anyone doing that and it's not a conclusion there's nothing to conclude. You, you won't necessarily feel like you're some kind of a awake person. Well, you're not the sage from Traverse City. That doesn't mean that some at some point you couldn't function as someone's teacher. Of course you could. I wouldn't want to be your student. <laughs> Sano Bog. Go ahead, Sano. Is there a difference between setting boundaries about what behavior you will and will not accept from others and ignoring or the other two jewels? Sano Bhag. You know, Sano, I think that's completely up to you. That's that's an area that, you know, you should, uh, you should hear me say over and over again, don't do anything else you have to. But if you have a situation coming up where well, I, I don't, do I have to do that? Do I have to? So that this would allow you to look more deeply into it and, and you might say it might not even be a conclusion based on some kind of fact or some kind of threat or some kind of, you might just say, I just have to do it this way. I have to line things up and I have to say, this is the boundary I have. So boundaries, uh, natural uh, boundaries are, are everywhere. Quite often we set up arbitrary bound boundaries based on fear, based on hope, based on control based on structure, based on society, based on culture, based, 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 based on all kinds of controlling, control, control, control. So 
I'm not going to step into your mind stream, so to speak, and say you should or you shouldn't. Uh, but I would say my recommendation to you is less is better. I wouldn't do too much, but do enough so that you, you, you that you're not some kind of a person who doesn't need any boundaries or have another kind of identity where I used to have boundaries, but now I'm boundaryless. So really watch for the identity area for something trying to collect a, a little bit of a of a um, merit badge or something uh, like the. Trump Parmipaje gave a seminar back in the 70s called Buddha Dharma Without Credentials. Awaken truth, Buddha, awake, Dharma, truth, awaken truth with no proof. If, if, you, if you're awakened, you won't, you won't have to get your uh, imprimatur from anyone. You won't, you won't need proof. And you won't, even, you won't even necessarily feel like somebody's here as awake may not be the case, may just not be struggling anymore with anything. Or you may struggle, you may struggle from now on. And then people will say, isn't that the teacher that struggles? Yeah, and loses all the time. Further questions? Are there any questions? It looks Anna like Maria Brown. Okay, Anna Maria, go ahead. Thank you. Um, you once said um, you, the statement, the sun will come up tomorrow. And then you said, the sun doesn't need your help. Could the same be said about truth, that truth doesn't need you to believe in it? Yeah, don't, don't believe in anything. But don't disbelieve it. So if you if you don't believe it, you don't disbelieve it, and you're not shutting it out, uh, you're pretty much lost in space. I'm just saying that you don't really have much of a reference point. And as me meditators, as people who have uh, who are practicing and studying the Mahayana, uh, I sometimes say my only reference point is the vow I received many years ago, a vow to be with all things. It took me a long time to understand what that meant. It does not mean meddling with things. Yuhang says, Yuhang uh, Baoing, how can I use my believe? Believe, believe to help my children be curious to discover their believe. I don't know. Um, I don't have a, a direct response for that, but I think with children, just less is better. Protect them. Don't. Keep them away from broken glass. Keep them out of the road. Um, let them understand whether they need more clothing or not, instead of bundling them up based on your ideas. Same thing with food. You know what I'm saying. I don't need to tell you that. But the less is better. I'll, I'll protect them. The thing is, the, the not being safe is what children ha are dealing with. I know that's certainly what I was dealing with. That's what we've been looking at in that book, the polyvagal uh, theories. They're about basic safety is really important. Something about that that is, can be threatening for people. Anna Maria Bowing, I have a follow-up question. Certainly, go right ahead. Go right ahead. Um, if, I, if I see the truth, does the need for belief fall away? Yeah. <laughs> 
if you, but the truth, the way I say it, and just in a couple of relative words, is not separate. You don't see anything else. I mean, I'm not saying you don't see this is over here and I'm over there. You see the separations, but the fundamental understanding is there isn't anything else. So there's no way you can fail. There's no way you can succeed. There's no way you can die. The body mind's going down. Whoop de do. I'm not saying that it isn't could be frightening or even painful. The physical pain is that you still have a body, so it could be extremely painful. But uh, nothing is destroyed. Changing, you could say it changes forms, but I wouldn't get too fancy with that. Because you might, you might, uh, your consciousness might go uh, into an area where you don't have no awareness at all for a long time. Yeah, that long. But you won't care particularly. And if you do, then, um, then you will. More? Stop looking at me like that. Jeez, I didn't do anything wrong. They're all glaring at me. So should I get upset? I mean, are they causing me to feel a certain way? Yeah. So my American Sign Language monk just went, what does this mean? <laughs> that means you're to, you're to blame? What, what does that mean? I was acting like I don't know how to huh? feelings. Oh, because it's not American Sign Language? It might be, but... Oh, okay. <laughs> See, I, I misunderstood that. I believed he was using a particular sign and he was just threatening to hit me. <laughs> it was that simple. <laughs> Anybody else out there in TV land? Kevin Bowing. Kevin, go ahead, please. When we do a practice like creation completion or loving kindness practice, what are we generating, bowing? Yeah, you're, you're, you're generating, a, 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 a changing your attitude towards fundamentally supporting others. And it may not feel like it particularly, but it doesn't need to. You're not looking for feedback. You're looking to just give, give everything your attention, give everything your kindness, give everything, give, 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 give. You won't get a credential. If you're getting credentials, uh, it's a little bit more uh, merchandising area. There are transactional stuff. Just give. So what are you giving? You're, if, if you think you're giving kindness, you probably are. If you think you're giving uh, support or help or, um, or some kind of consideration, that is the practice part. The practice part is like that. That's when there's still a great division between you and everything else. That's why we... Practice things like uh, uh, Maitri Bhavana and so on. But the, the fruition of that, there isn't anyone. There's no one left to do anything with or for anyone else. You're, you're no longer suffering uh, on your own. You're suffering with everything. You could say you're suffering in hell. You're suffering in heaven. You're suffering in all the realms. Not separate from anything. That's why the vow to be with uh, the Bodhisattva vow to be with all things is I vow to stay here until uh, samsara is liberated. But don't do that unless you want to do that. You home bowing. I have a follow up question about the question I asked. Um, Go ahead. So for for me is I know that fundamentally my kids and I are the same. I need a teacher to see my belief and unbeliefs 
And for them, their beliefs and not beliefs are conditioned, a condition too. So I need a teacher to guide me. And who, for me, is I'm their mom. I feel like it's my respons my responsibility to at least to guide or sort of have the yeah. I don't know I, the I, way to help. I'm ready to respond. I think you're doing fine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything you're doing. I think you're doing just fine. The most important thing I could say is spend some time, sit down, hold still, and watch the movement of your mind. Just train your mind. You don't have to do anything else. You don't have to. I'll always help you. You, you owe me nothing. You don't need to, <laughs> you don't need to do anything. Uh, all you have to do is ask questions. I'll try to respond in, in as helpful way as I can without interfering with you and your children and your family and your culture and your ideas or you're in your hopes and fears without your permission. Uh, in other words, that permission might just come as uh, situationally as asking a question. What should I do with, like you asked me a little bit about uh, about Abraham the other day, something was happening with him. And I, I remember responding, I, I don't remember exactly what I said, but you know, just responding as best I could. But I'm also saying, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not a like some kind of expert in that area. I work with the mind and with my mind and with what appears as your mind as you bring it this way through your question. And so if you ask a question, you're temporarily for the next three seconds, three minutes, three days, you're, you're, you're interested in what I have to say about what is happening with you. And so I, I just do the best I can. But you don't have to believe anything I'm saying. You could consider it. Could listen and say, well, see, Sogazan said this and this, but then you might say, well, he doesn't really know Abraham very well. If he knew how, if he knew about Abraham uh, doing this or doing some odd kind of thing I don't know about, he wouldn't be saying that. So, you know, I'm saying it's it's always very situational, right and wrong or extra. We don't need that. It's a mutual, it's a cooperation. So I might have a little more experience than you do. So I'm happy to respond. Uh, to you as, as help be as helpful as I can without interfering with that which you need to see or need to understand yourself or Abraham needs to see. More? You have more about that? It's a good good inquiry. You home bowing. Uh, every time for for example, my uh, six years old, every time she says something, I have not really much to say because I always think that, oh, fundamentally we're the same. Me and her, you know, she has her cause and conditions. I have my mine. I feel like I have really less to say, which really it's good to explore at the same time I lost the sense of control, even though I I still want that as a mom. Bye. I think you're doing fine. I'm not saying you feel particularly good about it, but just keep going. It's just weather. I mean, psychological, emotional weather for you, weather for others, for your children. It's just things come and go. Um, whatever shows up, it probably needs to be there because it's dependent on arisen. And when it goes away, probably needs to go away. So less pushing and pulling and more what? Receive whatever is happening. Give everything you can as possible your attention. And one of the ways you can train your mind to do that is to hold the body very still and watch the continued movement of the mind. So you get to know yourself, your consciousness, your awareness, 
your thought process on a very deep level. And at some point, and I'm, there's no guarantee here, but at some point, the self-centered self-centeredness or the, the identity aspect of consciousness just collapses because it no longer get it needs to get nutrition from being agreed with or disagreed with or shut down on or propelled by some kind of thought process. Uh, the traditional way of talking about this is a turning around and uh, a revolution at the basis of consciousness, the eighth consciousness in the yoga chara tradition. I don't know if I'd go that far, something like that. That's one way of talking about it. It's just that there isn't anyone, no separate being. No. There, there was another question, I think. Hi. Yeah. You want to see if there's one more there? Is on bowing. Yes. It's from Sharon. She says, uh, Sharon Bowing, how can we best respond to the beliefs of a loved one in active, long-standing addiction, Bowing? Yeah. Respect their confusion. Be respectful. Don't don't step in without their permission. They're, they're, the addiction here, you, you don't have to believe anything I'm saying and don't believe it. You could consider it, but I don't want you to believe it. You could, you could reflect on this as a, a, maybe a little bit different way of looking at it. Stop trying to fix them. That, that addiction is dependently arisen. A long-standing addiction, you might actually help them more by being with them and not doing anything with that. That will show up, because, especially if you've been kind of pushing and pulling and giving them ideas and, and suddenly you're there all the time and you no longer are. They might even turn around and say, don't you care about me anymore? You're not worried about my addiction? All kinds of things could show up. Dependent origination is very odd. That's why I often say to people, if you have someone who's uh, threatening to end their life, be very, very careful about interfering with that. It's really none of your business. And when they set up these hotlines and everything, I'm not saying it's wrong. Of course, probably a good thing. People need somebody, someone to talk to. But it's not quite as helpful as it might look from the surface. Don't believe me. Don't believe, don't believe what I'm saying. <laughs> Could think about it a little bit. Unyo said that I can take a final question and I usually do pretty much whatever she tells me to do. Uh oh, Shoto. Well, Shoto, it'll be take a lot longer because Shoto's a very convoluted thinker. Go ahead. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Everybody's grinning. <laughs> yes, go ahead. You're talking about um, like ego needing nourishment. Yes. And thinking of how Kumpurvache talks about just don't resold the ego. Yeah. And it seems like some people might practice for decades and not actually investigate the way that they're resoling it and have been yeah. building it up the entire time. So. How can we be sure that our practice is not reinforcing that sense yeah. of self-centeredness? Yeah, you can't be sure. You can't be sure. So this is why we have uh, the three jewels, the Buddha, the teaching person. Not, not, I'm not talking about the historical Buddha, but we can study that also. But a teacher and a teaching or the teaching or the Buddha's Dharma, which is we study, study in all kinds of forms and a Sangha, which you're in the midst of a community of people who have a strong intention to train their minds. 
Some of them are fully ordained as you are. So pretty sincere about this, pretty serious about putting energy into it. That structure, um, the, the way the community works and the way the teaching works conceptually and the way the interaction with the teaching person works uh, will help you with that. So it's not that you'll notice that you no longer are resoling your ego. You won't kind of get, there won't be any progress on the path in that, in that, in that regard. Chazan, could you read the question? I saw Andy, I think, post a question maybe about Sogzan's next book. Uh, Chazan Buying, um, Ivan asked, when are you publishing your book on addiction, Buying? Oh, I don't know. Mondo, Mondo, Mondo. Several people are working on that, and it's uh, should be a good, a pretty good uh, book. And she's worked very hard on it. We've we've looked around for a publisher. I think we're still kind of looking around a little bit for a publisher. We've got the. Uh, but you ask me when, and I have no idea. Do you have any idea? We don't. We don't know. We're, we're still. We were turned down by Shambhala. Uh, and so I think that I don't know, have any idea why, why they would do that. It seemed like it would be a valuable book for them to publish, but I don't know. We just keep going. Huh? We just keep going. Yeah, we just keep going. If we eventually don't find anybody, we'll just self-publish. Just we've done it before that we did it with a meditation primer. So we just, we just can't publish as many and get the nice thing about having a, um, a publisher do that is then they advertise it. So it gets out there a ways. Okay. We'll dedicate the merit, we'll dedicate the merit and, which is a good thing to do. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering. 